So I hear that you have a ghost story for us today, Matt. It's very spooky. Um, I wanted something Scooby-Doo-ish, so this is this is what we have. Um, real quick apology to all the listeners for the last couple of late episodes. We've both been sick on and off. Uh, and we live in different states, so that's, like, shocking. I mean, I suppose it's the winter, so everybody gets sick. But we didn't catch it from each other. No. Um... And other than that, you know, it's been Thanksgiving and holidays and everything have gotten in the way. So mm-hmm. we've been a little bit late, but we we promised to try and return to our regularly scheduled every other Friday programming with a few extras thrown in there. Probably, maybe. We'll see. Well, and I just want to throw out there that not this time, but the time before, the entire underside of my tongue was covered in canker sores. So yeah. it made speaking, eating, breathing swallowing existing very difficult so Uh, anyway hopefully this will be not a recurring thing and we'll be good from here (laughs) that is the that is the intent that is the hope that is that is our sincerest wish but not a promise so let's uh dive in shall we let's do it So the last few episodes have been a little heavy, so I wanted yeah. to do light and spooky. Um, there's no domestic violence in this one that I know of, although there is some ghost violence. Um, goes without saying that it's a ghost story. Now, it's really not like a mystery or a murder or anything like that. And I'm kind of a cynic, so, you know, take what you will anyways but it's a ghost story and the episode is late so i'm just gonna tell it and we can pretend that we're like around a campfire and in the middle of the woods and we'll be spooked okay all right so i like it let's do it i'm already spooked all right so put a flannel blanket around your shoulders and get your marshmallows and your chocolate and here we go so in 1989 32 year old jackie hernandez was living with her young son jamie and her newborn baby uh her newborn daughter in san pedro california uh, it's a little way south of L.A., like 100 miles or so, I think. California's really big. Uh, <laughs> she had recently separated from her children's father, her husband, and was working multiple jobs and struggling to support herself and her children and pay rent at her new house in San Pedro. Um, yeah, that is like, you know, that's a lot. There's a lot going on in her yeah, life, so power to sure. her. No. Oh, my God. Is the house haunted? She doesn't need that. The house might be haunted. Um, okay (laughs) but you know she she was living alone she often relied upon her close friend her neighbor susan castaneda um who helped her babysit and helped around out around the house and you know susan was basically all the time over at uh jackie's house and and they you know they they were they were besties um she's living alone she's stressed as most single mothers are she's working as hard as she can to support her children and in general she seems like a strong but struggling woman I just yeah wanna... like i don't i don't blame her right and i'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent here because like i was raised by a single mother so i've got like a soft spot here all of the sources that i found were like documentaries or like not recent things from like the 1990s and the early 2000s mm-hmm. and, and like that's forever ago in terms of social progress so like all the sources in one way or another paint her as this like emotionally distressed person like her experience like you already know it's a ghost story she's gonna get some ghosts in her life 
Like, (laughs) again, I'm missing But she won't be the ghost this time. She won't be the ghost. No, she survives. She's she's actually still alive today. Um, But she's going through an incredibly tough time in her life and keeping it together. But all of the sources were like, she was incredibly emotionally distressed. And that was their, like, their, like, alternative to ghosts, right? Because they always say, like, well, you know, the banging could have been rats or dogs or something instead of a ghost. And in this one, it's like, nah, if it wasn't ghosts, she was just a crazy woman. And it's like, no, you guys, oh, God. And it was very... Hey, that's some shit. It was very frustrating to read all of them. In any case, I think, like, she's a single mother. She's going through a lot and an incredibly tough time in her life. And she's keeping it together for her two children, one of which is a newborn while working multiple jobs. I think it's fair to say she was probably a little stressed, and that's an okay way to be. I just want to throw that right, out. Right, that is, like, appropriate for this situation. Yes. All right. So <laughs> and she's... that doesn't mean you can't, like, keep... Okay, last comment. That doesn't mean you can't, like, be a good parent if you're stressed. I would hazard a guess to say that most parents are, to some degree, stressed. There but go. that doesn't mean that you're, like, not able to care for your children. So. No, absolutely. I just, like, again, I was raised by a single mother, so I just wanted to... I've got a soft spot for, for you this. Rep. And it yeah. was just it was just annoying. So... Um, so she's in a tough place and she's struggling slash rant. We're good to go. So like any ghost story and any like Zach Baggins documentary, if anyone is a Zach Baggins fan, I know I'm not. Um, this, <laughs> this story starts with like her pet cat, right? So she has a cat in her bungalow in San Pedro and this cat would like chase shadows around the room and like stare at corners and like, like growl at things that weren't there. And Which it, is, like, typical cat stuff, though. I mean, I have a cat who, that's all she does. Like, we're having a nice nice cuddle sesh. The door to the bedroom is closed. No sounds. And all of a sudden, she just, like, sits up and stares at the wall. Right. It's a ghost. For, like, a minute straight. Yeah, right. Obviously, my house is haunted. Right, obviously. I mean, uh, it could be. I don't know, but. Maybe. I mean, I don't really believe in ghosts, but usually when cats do this, it's because they're either, like, staring at a spider web that you can't see. Or they hear something in the walls or under the floor, like a mouse or like a, even like a large house centipede or a large spider rolling around that you can't see. And or they're just cats. Cats do weird stuff. Or they're just cats. They just want to eat the pests, and it's probably pests, right? It's usually probably pests. Anyway, cats are better at seeing and hearing things than most people, and also they're weird anyways and bored a lot, so <laughs> they just do these right. things. By digress. So after a few weeks of moving in, she began to hear voices coming from the attic, and ever so often a little Ooh. bit of banging sound. At one point, she said she was sitting at her desk reading the paper, and all of a sudden, a canister of pencils that was sitting on the desk flew at her and hit her with several pencils. Um, okay, so, but was there somebody living in her attic? Because I saw this, I don't know if it's true or not, but this creepy video of some guy in, like, New York or something, who was like, man, stuff keeps going missing out of my fridge, I don't understand it. And this woman, like, crawled out from this, like, storage space that was above the door. There's a dollop about a Spider-Man, like this tall, gangly albino man who, like, uh -uh, lived in uh -uh, I don't want to hear this. No, no. Please Um, stop. (laughs) um, Anyway, (laughs) please tell me that there aren't... Well, you said it was a ghost story, so nobody is living in the attic. Nobody is living in the attic. (laughs) <laughs> but somebody might be okay. deading in the emden. Um, <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> but so so she gets hit with a pencil holder. There's some voices, some knocking around. Um, but then came the day of the ooze. 
The ooze. Oh, yes. that doesn't sound good at all. So Jackie and, again, her friend Susan were washing dishes, dishes in the kitchen, and Jackie noticed that a mysterious red-brown liquid was all over her hands while she was, like, scrubbing dishes. She turned around Yuck. to show Susan, and that's when they both noticed. It was coming from the walls. It was on all of the dishes. It was coming from everywhere. The, everywhere they touched in the kitchen around them was covered in this red-brown sludge. That is... Ooh, it's ectoplasm. Ooh. I mean, that's... It's something. I'd be worried about the integrity of the house if... So, um... Stuff is coming out of the walls. Yuck. Ugh. So, so I'm gonna record scratch on the uh, haunting just for a minute, and I'm gonna be a relentless killjoy again. Uh, this was the 80s. Um, I'll post a link in the sources, but, like, a question of an... Like, not ectoplasmic, but a question of, like, oozes and stuff comes like coming from walls and like coming out of countertops and stuff is posted all the time on home improvement forums and on reddit when people are doing renos of like 100 year old homes right and 100 percent of the time it's homes that are being renovated that belonged to smokers it is nicotine oh my gosh that's a good point i would have never thought of that yeah and like yeah yeah and like i know this too because um if you've ever been in like the car of somebody so like we live in the midwest winters are cold here so mm-hmm. when people vape they vape with the windows up if you've ever been in the car of a person that vapes everything is like sticky and it's because there's like nicotine goo and like propylene glycol glue goo on everything it's just like this goo and over time it collects dust and it gets embedded in the paint and it oxidizes and it turns brown and gooey and in human environments, or when you're washing things, like, maybe you do- With hot water. With hot water, maybe, and maybe, I don't know, there's two people in a hot kitchen, and maybe you haven't turned on the air conditioning, if there is even air conditioning, maybe this stuff just pours out of the walls because somebody was a pack-a-day smoker in this house. I don't know. All I'm saying is, vapinace, y'all. Whatever. Or just, like, don't, don't vape inside, yeah, or don't, smoke inside, don't if that is your, your thing. Anyway, for for whoever lives where you live in the future, please, if or, no one else. Or it could be ghost goo. I don't know. Could be ghost goo. Right. I mean, still a close call. Yes. 50-50. So anyway, the cat is seeing ghosts. We're hearing voices in the attic. We're getting attacked by pencils. And there's ectoplasmic uh, goo for dinner. Um, spooky time is upon us, right? Right. So one night she woke up and went to check on her children in the middle of the night. Um, she left the lights off. Uh, so she didn't wake anyone up. It was pitch black, and as she rounded the corner into her children's room at, like, you know, 2 a.m. or whenever she woke up in the middle of the night, she noticed, sitting in the chair in the corner of the room, was a haggard old man. Like oh, hell no. Like, skin and bones old man, just sitting there with a blank and emotionless face staring at her with bright glowing eyes looking straight at her Uh uh-uh no that's first yeah Yeah. no so she grabbed her children out of bed as quickly as she could and she ran to susan's house and pounded on the door and woke her up and explained what happened now i could only find one source about like this actually this occurrence happening and it was a primary source of from jackie herself telling the story to uh like a ghost documentary team for a show in the 90s um, okay. But I don't, like, 
To me, if I saw an old man sitting in someone's room, whether or not his eyes are glowing, the first thing I'm thinking is like, home intruder, call the police. Right. <laughs> uh, they didn't do that. Uh, Susan suggested they contact some paranormal experts. Um, well, to be <laughs> fair, though, to be fair, like, say that I'm in her position, right? And it's, I mean, not saying it would necessarily be better nowadays, but say it's, you know, the 80s. Yeah, I'm a single mom right. with two kids. I tell the police that I've had this stuff happening. They are not going to take you seriously. They're going to be That's jerks. A That's a very and they're gonna they're gonna be like, oh, you just need to like get some more sleep or something, right? And then not actually care. Well, and this was this was like a an edited version of her story. Like obviously they edit these things down and stuff. And it was like cuts to B roll and back to her, and cuts to B roll and back to her. So. Maybe she did call the police and we just don't know it. And they just cut that out of the documentary that I was watching. Right. I'm just saying, like, I love that the first thing Susan suggests is we need to talk to the ghost people. Because she had seen a show on, like, you know, NBC Late Night or something with paranormal investigators about, you know, because this has always been popular. Right. Well, and also, like, thinking about it, too, it's interesting that that's kind of what spurned her onto it. Because nowadays, you know, we have the Internet. You can look up spooky stories any time of the day or night. You can look up anything like this, you know, call and have people come to your house. Yeah, literally anything, good or bad. But, I mean, that's kind of an interesting good point that it was sort of serendipitous that she had seen these ghost people on TV and was like, oh, hey, like, this is perfectly applicable to now right she had a friend who was like yeah I, I like ghost stories we should call these people this tv show that i watched um so anyway um i'll talk about the ghost experts in a minute but i want to tell you about one more ghost sighting she had um, okay so the voices in the attic were getting worse and worse while she, she called some paranormal investigators we'll go into them in a minute she makes the call and then over the coming weeks while she's waiting for these paranormal investigators to arrive um the voices in the attic get worse and worse um over the next couple weeks they escalate to the point of loud banging and scratching noises coming from an access hatch that was up on her kitchen ceiling uh, so jackie does what any person who thinks they have ghosts would do and she climbs on top of the counters and puts her head in the hole uh, no no yeah, she, <laughs> don't do that that's puts, how you get your jaw ripped off <laughs> right so she puts her head inside of this access hatch she pushes it open looks up in there looks around there's no lights or anything up there um and what she found was pretty shocking uh she turned to one corner raccoons attic. it wasn't i wish it was no floating in the corner was the severed head and a, a ghostly severed head of the same old man she'd seen sitting in her children's bedroom. He shrieked at her, and f his whole head flew in her direction at her head. She screamed, fell out of the access hatch, onto the floor, and, and just began crying. Um, yeah, and, like and, I would do. Right, and at that point she vowed to never go into the attic ever again. I don't uh, blame her. Can I just I say, though, her. what... I don't either. No, I would never go up there again. No, no. I would move. I, would I wouldn't go up there in the first place. Well, and let me just say, based on everything we've heard so far about this woman, she's a badass. Yeah. yeah. Like, I've never been a mother before, and I, I can't say for certain how I'd handle this type of a situation. But, like, let's say I came upstairs and I looked in my bedroom 
and Nick was laying there and there was some ghost in the corner. Like, sorry, Nick. I just run out of the house without him. I'm screaming. (laughs) I'm screaming to wake you up, but I'm running. Exactly. You can hear me screaming as I run. And then if there was some weird shit going on in our attic, like, hell no, I'm not opening it. Nope. Never. So basically this woman is a badass. Now we do have GoPros today, so you can like stick a GoPro up there and your GoPro can get attacked by a ghost instead of your head. Right? But... Right, I mean, you can, Mr. Tech Guy. I can't. Uh, GoPros are like 80 bucks. You can buy a cheap one for like 20 bucks. Okay, that's, fine. That's, that's, that's worth ghost encounters for. Plus then you got some sick footage you can put on YouTube, get all that ad revenue. Yeah. Okay, uh, so this is a business plan for everybody. Take yes. our advice. If you have ghosts... <laughs> Get record. a GoPro. Yeah, get a GoPro, record them. Profit. Put them on YouTube. Um, so at this point, the, the, the paranormal team arrives shortly after this incident. So I want to introduce Dr. Barry Taff, T-A-F-F, and his team of experts. Uh, they include two cameramen, Barry Conrad and Jeff Wheatcraft. Jeff will be I was really hoping you were going to... Okay, I was really hoping you were going to say that they all were named Barry. Uh, no, but there are two Barrys. Barry Taff, Barry Conrad, <laughs> and Jeffrey Wheatcraft. Um, okay, he, he uh, you know, gets a crack team of berries together. Crack, crack team of berries together. Um, so, Dr. Taff, uh, he hosts a show. He actually has hosted several shows. His, his IMDb is a real treat. Um, but he is, <laughs> he's a doctor of psychophysiology uh, with a minor in biomedical engineering and is a world-renowned parapsychologist who worked out of UCLA's former parapsychology laboratory from 1969 through 1978 as a research associate. A parapsychology laboratory is so ghostbustery, and I love it. It is! I was just going to say that. Exactly like, how do I what, sign up? Yeah, that's exactly what Dr. Uh, Doctor What's-His-Face was in... Uh, I forgot his name. In, in, um, I'm, the worst, I'm the worst movie person ever. Um, and Ghostbusters. You can you can yell at us about this, fans yes, and listeners alike. You can tell me that I'm a I'm a fake nerd and a poser and whatever. <laughs> at least I know the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I know that. You know that. Okay. I know that. I know that. And I know uh, Vigo. I know Vigo from Ghostbusters too. Anyway, um, so so he has some creds he's got he some, has some creds. credentials he's worked in like a parapsychology laboratory that probably produced very few results in his tenure there in the 11 years hey, years he was there. hey. so during mr his, skeptic so his imdb is a real treat like i said during his 35 plus year career he has investigated and debunked several of of more than four thousand hauntings um and has been part of several made for tv documentaries about the paranormal um I, I'll link his IMDb page. Like I said, check it out. There's some good stuff on there if you want some, like, classic ghost documentaries. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Note to the self. Right. I'm excited for the show notes now. Yes. Um, like, stuff that you'd find at, like, 3 a.m. on Investigation Discovery. It's good stuff. Um, so, this ghost hunting team apparently reprioritized their schedule when they heard about all of Jackie's issues, and they went to her house as soon as they were able. Um it was either a compelling enough story or the fact that it was like a single mother with two children and they were completely distressed by the ghosts they were encountering. However it was, they were enough to be there within a few weeks as opposed to like years or months that it normally is when you like send a letter or call call a network about these things. Right. So they arrive and the first thing they notice is a very foul odor. Um, I couldn't. So has this been going on forever or is this just like they, they roll up foul odor? 
foul odor. I don't know. Like, I don't understand why Jackie and her family maybe didn't notice the odor. Or, like, maybe it just showed up right when the ghost people did. It wasn't really mentioned anywhere. It just everything and every documentary mentioned a foul odor. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So in any case, Taff and his crew open all the windows and doors in the house and they air the place out to try to get rid of the foul odor because it stinks so bad. Okay, but like, <laughs> they open all of the doors. What about the cat? Yeah, I don't know about the cat. I hope the kitty's okay. Um, so during the opening questions with Jackie and her family, everyone heard about the loud banging sounds coming from the attic. Um, and Jackie told them about the ghostly image of the old man's face. Now, as they're questioning her about this, they start hearing banging coming from that attic. <laughs> She's like, see? 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 There it is. Um, so during this questioning period is also when Jackie told them about the oozes and the inanimate projectiles that she'd been the victim of, victim of in the weeks prior. One of my favorite sources specifically stated that the uh, strange liquid had been chronically oozing from the walls, later believed to be blood plasma. Oh, blood plasma. I haven't heard of this before. Add it to my lexicon. Yeah, I'm just going to stop reading the quote there. But that one really got me because I found zero corroborating evidence that this was actually true, that they actually, like, tested it. One third-party video source um, said that it was tested in a field lab and that the substance had traces of male blood as well as high iodine and copper content. How can you gender blood? And they didn't link their source. And I have found, like, I read, like, two dozen articles and and saw, like, three documentaries about this. None of them ever said that anything was tested. So I don't know where this... I'm going to put that YouTube video in the show notes, too. But I didn't know where this guy found this stuff. Maybe it was just, like, a dramatic effect thing saying that it was blood. I still think it's just nicotine ooze. That's my theory. Or maybe okay. it's... Maybe it's... Uh, maybe it's uh, ectoplasm. I don't know. Um... I actually didn't even find any sources that said the team had found any ooze while they were in the house. Like, Mm -hmm. the the ooze is purely a story of Jackie's, which is fair, but whatever. Moving on. So, after questioning, the team started their preliminary search of the house. Preliminary search of the house. Uh, uh, This is, like, in broad daylight in the middle of the day. They're walking around, they're taking pictures, you know, like, with old school film cameras, and they actually, like, there's no digital in in this day. Um, they're knocking on walls and doors. They're looking for ooze, apparently. Uh, apparently, these guys were also debunking experts, so they're also looking for things that could, could explain the noises and strange sights and smells. Things like signs of pests and rodents, loose wiring, that kind of stuff. Like, you see flickering lights, it's probably not a ghost. It's probably, a, you know, bad ground wire bad somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're looking for that kind of stuff. But it was at this time that Jeff Wheatcraft and Barry Conrad, the two cameramen we, we introduced earlier, went up to the attic to investigate the source of the banging that literally everyone there had heard. There was banging. Uh, right. They were like, let's get into this kitchen attic. So they crawl through this little hole. They're standing up there. Now, in the dark, with nothing but some camera lights, some battery-operated camera lights, uh, Wheatcraft was actually attacked. He said he took one picture with his 35mm camera, a second picture with his camera, and then the camera was physically forced away from his hand and he was shoved backwards against the wall. Um, Spooky. Yeah, and they were like they were disturbed by this, so they you know, and it was really hot up in this attic because so they, they too left the attic so and vowed too, to never go back. <laughs> yeah, so, so they too left the attic, um, and they they went back up in a few minutes after they cooled down to get the camera, and they noticed that the camera was separated from its lens, 
And if you know anything about a 35 millimeter camera, that's not an easy thing to do for any mounting solution that's no. been made in the last 40 years. You need to push a special button and turn it a specific way that's usually counterclockwise, and it's it's not an easy thing. It does it like it can't just fall out. Um, oh right. So you know the the ghost hunters in them um, said something to the effect was whatever was in that attic didn't want to be photographed. Um, right. Um. So they were startled. They were a little shook. They left for the night. Uh, the following day, and this is the big day. This is like the big this, day. This is the super spooky thing. Um, so this is the day that's like circled on the calendar forever. Yes. Um. September fourth, nineteen eighty nine. Um, this part's actually, like, a little bit scary, just because it's a little bit dangerous. Um, Ooh. And there's a- a But but no ghost hunters were harmed in the making of this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. (gasps) Oh, okay, Mm -hmm. keep going. So, keep going. um, Jeff Wheatcraft and, uh, Jeffrey is, is our, is our star of the show right now. Um, and photographer Gary Boehm were again in that same attic setting up to shoot some footage. Gary was taking a bunch of pictures with the flash, trying to get some shots of the attic, see if they can see anything. Um, this is also, like, in the day of, again, 35mm cameras, so, like, doing things like bracketing, taking multiple pictures is important. Getting lighting set up, especially if you're going to take a, a video on film, like, at least, you know, 35mm film, is, is it's expensive stuff, so it's important that they get everything set up. So that's what they're doing in the attic right now. They haven't actually started shooting anything yet. So, um, everything actually was pretty quiet and peaceful. There hadn't been any banging that day, no unexpected oozing or pencil throwing, nothing like that. Um, but, Jeff felt, and he he said this after the fact, he felt just a little bit off. Um, so while he's getting set up and trying to, you know, bracket his shots Just a little hinky, yeah. Yeah, just a little hinky. He's bracketing his shots and everything. Um, something ripped his camera out of his hands wrapped around his neck and then pulled him upwards um just as it happened gary, the other, yeah just as it happened gary the other photographer managed to snap a picture of jeff jeff uh was literally hanging by a power cable in the attic and gasping for Jeez. air uh gary like quickly realized what was happening and helped him down and and jeff was fine um okay wait hold up a second I thought the other cat cameraman was named Barry. Are neither of them named Barry? Is it two Garys? No, there's a Barry, a Gary, a Jeff, and a Barry. Okay, so there are two Barrys. I was like... Yes. Am I going crazy here? Okay. Dr. Man is named Barry. Barry Taff. Uh, There's Cameraman Barry, Cameraman Jeff Wheatcraft, and then um, Camera, like a photographer, I should say. Oh, I was going to say, and then Extra Gary. Yeah, I was, and then Extra but, Gary. Um, but I was going to say Camera Boy, and I don't know why I was going to say that. He's a photographer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just as a notorious listeners, I'm kind of hard of hearing. So you will probably hear me do this more than once. So and think that it is because of my hearing. <laughs> so there's Barry, Barry, Gary, Jeff. Okay, um, hey, thank you. Thanks for the breakdown. I'm going to send you this picture. This is Jeff. Oh! This is the picture that guys. was taken. Guys, you have to see this when, like, okay, when you listen to this episode, like, pause here and go into the show notes and open this picture because this is, like, this is pretty intense. Yeah, right? Um, This is not for the faint of heart. So after they got him down, um, 
they were like he was shook now gary stayed up in the attic to like see what was going on and this power cable this looped power cable like a, a romex power cable or i don't know if it was romex at the time maybe romex was around in 1989 but the power cable itself the it was just like electrical wiring mm-hmm. was like slung at, over a uh, a framing nail and that's how it was like hanging up in the kind of like a noose configuration that that caught Jeff off guard. Um, the attic is unlit. I want to emphasize that. The only reason, right? So there's no way that he could have like really seen it hanging there unless there was a light being directed. But there's also no reason for like a that to be there for that to be there exactly. Like typically, if you're gonna like, I mean, for the electrics maybe in the ceiling of the kitchen, sure. In other parts of the house, sure, but for an unlit attic, you're never going to run electrical cables like up through the the top, up through the joists, or up through the like the the roof framing. That would be right. weird. So this this like noose like power cable was just kind of there, and right. maybe Jeff just happened to walk through it. But why was it there in the first place? So this is like right. Everything that I saw framed the story around this event like men attacked by ghosts. Because usually when right. you like, watch, you know, paranormal investigators or whatever, it's always like they, you know, their electrical EMF readers go go haywire and they get some whispers right. and the whatever and something falls over. But it's never like anything dangerous. There's nobody's lying yeah. or threatened, right? Like you're uncomfy, maybe. Like you're a little bit uncomfy, but like right. nobody's getting physically hurt. Right. And this time, like, I, the guy was just strung up, like full on strung up. Um, and, you know, Jeff was was incredibly shook. Who knows? You know, maybe if Gary wasn't there, maybe something worse would have happened. But um, right. if you look at the picture, he's got both hands free. He's like kind of hanging on a rafter. He's not like... He's not, like, being hung from the neck until dead or anything. Hanged from the neck until dead. But he he is, like, visibly distressed, so... Oh, yeah, you can tell for sure that he is not happy with the situation. Yes. So, and you're right, he's not, like, in imminent danger of dying, but, I mean, that's still a scary thing to happen. It's a very scary thing to happen and a dangerous thing to happen. So, uh, Jeff left the house almost immediately after he, like... he, he gave Don't blame on- him! Yeah, no, he gave an on-camera interview to the other cameraman and uh, and then immediately left the house and uh, never, never went back. <laughs> um, yeah, he's so, a smart man. Yep. Yeah, um, so the interview of him afterwards is is really kind of like it's interesting because he is super shook. Um, I like, and again, who knows? Like, if you want to be cynical, Jeff just accidentally walked through an electrical cable that was hanging there. Right. Or if you want to be even more cynical, they set it up. Yeah, yeah, that that could have happened too. You but, know, but like looking at this picture. He looks genuinely distressed. He does yeah. not look like he is some A-list star actor who's been preparing for this role. No, he's like he's like a dude in some mom jeans and a white t-shirt and he's <laughs> a man in the 80s. And he's just like, he's got a wicked 80s mustache going on and it's just... Yes, just he upset. does. Yes. Yeah. Um. So they, they, nothing after that incident, after Jeff left, mm-hmm. not much else happened. Um, they took some more pictures, they got some more more footage of of the attic and everything, and they um the the episode that eventually aired was of course completely framed around the fact that Jeff got strung up by an electrical cable by a ghost, supposedly. So Right. Um that is like the super spooky thing that happened. 
So, uh, after that, a couple months later, Jackie ended up moving 300 miles back north to be with her estranged husband again. I guess they reconciled things. Um, and her and her kids' lives pretty much just returned to normal. Um, her and her family were pretty much free from ghosts. Until... Until the spookiness returned. Um, Man, she is just like... She's like, I am done with this. And the ghost's like, I'm not done with you. Yeah, and it's probably the same ghost, too, if it is a ghost. Um, so she's 300 miles north now. After a few months of, of returning, though, um, to the trailer and her and the trailer park that her and her husband lived at and them reconciling and everything, um, they started to hear some more banging and scratching noises. Faint, but they're coming from the shed outside, from the roof occasionally. Um, things that could totally just be animals, but... Right, but at least they don't have a... At least they don't have... What's that word called? An attic. Yes. <laughs> at least they don't have an attic this time, but have, I guess that also... They don't also... have a top basement. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> this might be a bad thing, though, because that might mean that the really, really spooky stuff is going to happen, like, in their living room now. Could, so... Could. Um, so... One night, her daughter's bedspread lit on fire immediately after she saw some black mist spread through an open window. Um, her daughter saw the black mist, or? Everyone saw the black mist, and then okay. her daughter's bedspread lit on fire. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, so now it's awful, and it would definitely be traumatic, but again, I'm, a, I, I'm gonna be cynical, like... You're in a trailer park where people are barbecuing and probably having bonfires in the middle of California. It's winter, so it, I don't like. I think it could be bonfire season in California. This is probably one of the only burning times they have. Right, like I was gonna say, neither of us, as a disclosure, live in California. <laughs> we don't, but like I know, like spring, summer are usually your your burn less times in fall. So like winter, maybe right. maybe is a burn free time, especially in the eighties. I don't know. So. Maybe they were smokers and were just bad at smelling smoke, and maybe what happened is a strong gust of wind blew some barbecue smoke and some embers or something else into okay, that's fair. the house, and it, you know, lit like a nylon bedspread on fire or whatever. Since this is also the 80s, it could be, you know, a, a pre-flame retardant bedspread, too. That is pre-Prop 65 or pre, pre-EPCRA, that could totally be. Right, okay, so if you don't want to hear a personal antidote, skip like 15 seconds ahead but if you do i just want to take this moment to share that when i was a kid i used to wear those like thermal pjs and one time when i was like i don't know five or six years old because i could read pretty early on before i put them on i was looking at the tag and it said that they were flammable and me as a kid thought that meant that i could burst into flames at any moment that's true so so i would just lay in bed and not move because i was terrified yeah, I was terrified that one wrong movement would set me on fire. And instead of being logical and like asking my parents, is this like a thing? I just dealt with it until I got older and I was like, wait a minute. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, kids are not uh, always the greatest, uh, but you know, it's uh, okay. <laughs> well, this kid actually caught on fire. No, the kid didn't. The kid's bedspread did. The kid was fine. I was going to say the child did not. You did not say that. I don't yeah. want to talk about burning kids. Okay, so the kid is safe. The kid is safe. Uh, yeah, maybe they were smokers. Maybe they knew smokers. Maybe they smoked in the house. I don't know. Um, but it's possible maybe they just didn't smell the smoke or maybe it wasn't a big deal considering there was black whatever in their house. 
I have no real evidence one way or another, so maybe it was a ghost. All I know is that their kid's bedspread lit on fire, and that's traumatic. So cynicism yeah, it's terrible. Aside, yeah, so, so cynicism, cynicism aside, the following night, uh, she began to hear banging from inside of the trailer, loud and Uh-oh. very insistent, just like Uh-oh. she did inside of the attic of the San Pedro house. Um, shortly after, Lizen, like, I, I think within a couple of days, or maybe even just the following day, Jackie was helping a neighbor store a TV in their shed, and she said that while she was holding it and, like, positioning it wherever they were going to store it, the screen flickered on while the TV was completely unplugged and unpowered, and just for a moment showed the face of the old man that was sitting in the corner of her children's room, haggard and gaunt with bright glowing eyes staring out of the TV directly at her. Okay, this is like the point where I tap out. I would have tapped out by now if I were her. I'd be like, nope, I'm getting a new identity. Right. I'm moving to a different country. Right. Now, now when when the lady who gave you probably the most compelling piece of, of ghost footage you've ever had in your entire career uh, calls you and says, hey, Dr. Taff, I have more ghost problems. What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> You immediately get on your airplane and you fly out there again. That's correct. So her, uh, I'm sorry, so Dr. Taff, uh, Dr. Gary, I'm sorry, no, Barry, Dr. Barry, <laughs> Barry, Barry Taff. <laughs> now you're getting confused. Yes, uh, Dr. Barry Taff and, and Jeff Wheatcraft and the rest of his team all traveled to see uh, her and her family. And okay, wait, so, so Jeff Boy. Yes. Okay, so Jeff Boy decided to come back. Jeff Boy's back now. He's not going back in that house, but he's going to go and visit Jackie. Yes. Okay, I'm just like, but Brud's apparently the same ghost. Yep. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. Nope, he don't care. Okay. He's maybe in, he he's just really Hall. cares about Okay, maybe he just cares about Jackie personally. He's like, you know what? You're a good person, Jackie. I wanna see what I can do for you. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm or a... he wants to get rich. I don't right. know. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna beat up this ghost for beating me up. Um So if you're being haunted and you're being followed by the same ghost from house to house, what do you do? I don't know, bruh. Like I said, I would just, like, flee the country, I guess. It's seance time. It's time to seance. have a seance. Woo-hoo. Um, So they, they break out the Luigi board. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Pop culture reference. I love it. Putting it in the show notes. Um, So they, they break out a, a wedge board. A weggy board? A, a Ouija board. Um, and And they... We do know how to pronounce this word, y'all. They, they break out the... Uh, Hasbro is the company? I don't know who it was. They break out the it's, Ouija it's, board. It's, it's a company that makes board games as well, yes. yes. Uh, they break out it the, might be Hasbro. the Ouija board. Um, they light the ceremony of candles. They gather around a table and hold hands. And what happened next, They everyone who was sitting at the table when this happened, they gave pretty similar accounts. Very, very similar okay. accounts. Um, the table vibrated, the lights flickered, and the spirit began to move the indicator triangle thing on the board very, very insistently. Um, it was able to move with extreme clarity, according to Jeff, and relayed some very interesting information to them. Um, so their full, like, Q&A interview with a ghost happened as follows, at least the first half of it, not the full, because I can't find the full one. Uh, how many ghosts are in here with you? Phantoms fill the skies around you, the Ouija board responded. <laughs> um, I like it how it's a poet. Yes, right. Um, 
Why did you attack Jeff, they asked. Because you are the likeness of my killer. Oh. Why do you choose to haunt and torment Jackie? Energy. What kind of energy? Why would you ask what kind of energy? What? Wind? I I mean, that's kind of like... Uh, What? But I mean, like, positive energy, negative energy, dark energy... Well, it responded dead. <laughs> oh, that's not very helpful. No, it's de- dead energy? I don't know. Um, so now, now, interestingly, as soon as the seance began, the documentary team uh, noted that all cameras taking pictures uh, had none of the pictures turn out. They were all overexposed or like that none of the film actually was developable. And none of the video footage they took of the seance was salvageable either. So there's no actual footage of this seance happening. Hmm. Like, suspicious, but also they're all professionals and a big part of what they do is to debunk stuff. They're not doing a very good job. They're not doing a very good job. No, they are not. <laughs> I'll, I'll concede. So in any case, the, 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 the Ouija session continued a little further. Um, and they managed to learn that Jeff was a uh, likeness of a man named Pearson. Um, How did they know that? Well, the the ghost told them through the Ouija. Oh, okay, okay. I thought they just uh, like you they, know looked through some pictures and were like, yeah. They they probably asked a question to the effect of who was your murderer or something like that. Oh, right. Um. So what they did was uh, they left the session, and Doctor Taff went to do some research. Um, now, I don't know how you right. do that without Google or without, like, he probably went to the library or something. But in that area at that time, uh, I, I they also asked, like, when he lived, and they found out it was around the 1930s, uh, 1920s, 1930s. Um, right. So around that time, there was a sailor in the area known by the name of Charles Pearson, and he had a really nasty reputation. He was suspected of at least two murders in his time. Um, and some further digging... Uh, by Dr. Taft found that there was an unsolved murder in that area, that of a 28-year-old man whose body was found in the San Pedro Harbor in the 1930s. So. Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Charles Pearson might look a lot like Jeff uh, Wheatcraft. Right. Um, so maybe that's why Jeff was attacked. I don't know. Uh, in any case, Dr. Taff also managed to find a picture and description of the old man whose disembodied head had attacked Jackie and who now lived inside of her TV in a shed. Um, <laughs> I love that phrasing. <laughs> like, he's not, he's not free, you know, free to come and go as he wills. He, like, he rents the TV now. Yep, that's where he lives. Um, okay. He was actually, so, a, a gaunt old man, which describes just skinny old men, um, but the person who had owned and originally built the bungalow that she was renting was mm-hmm. a skinny old white man. Hmm. Um, Suspicious. Well, I mean, think about any house you've lived in. If you're a renter, like the skinny old white man has probably lived there. I, just taking a guess. It's probably educated like, guess. Like educated <laughs> guess. If you're living in a house that's like a hundred years old, it's probably pretty likely, but what do I know? Um, Anyway, so Jackie and her family, after this event, moved several times. Um, they moved at least ten times in, in the following decade. Um, each time staying, saying that, yeah, I know, it's 
bad. But each time they moved, they they said that the paranormal activity they were experiencing was lessened with each move. Um, okay, well, there's that at least. Yeah. As of this past summer, Jackie lives in L.A. Um, she's very far from her original haunting house, haunted house, um, and she says that she's put the whole ordeal behind her and that the hauntings have stopped completely. Um, That's nice. Yeah. But yeah, that still sounds kind of kind of butts, right? Like. Be followed your half your life by ghosts. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Um, but in case anyone is curious, I have the address of the house. It is five nine three West Eleventh Street, San Pedro, California. Um, supposedly, all of the residents that have moved in or out uh, have done so with relatively high frequency, and uh, many have noted paranormal activity while they were living there. Maybe it's also just not a very well-maintained house. Maybe the landlord is just not a very good landlord. Yeah, I mean, she was renting. It is a rental, so it's like, maybe it's just a rental in SoCal that's poorly maintained. Like, I, you know, I, I'm a renter. I've moved, like, 11 times in the past 12 years. Like, Right. I, I, it doesn't seem really weird to me that renters would move in and out with relatively high frequency just because of skyrocketing rent in the SoCal area. But what do I know? Right. <laughs> uh... So yeah, that's our ghost story. I like it. I mean, I'm... I don't know. I'm, I'm like, interested to read more about this unsolved murder. Did you find any information on that? Very, very little. Oh, man. It was, like... It was like a one sentence blurb. It was, I don't even know the person's name. Um, he was actually suspected of two or three murders at the time, this Charlie Pearson was. He was, like, a... He was he was suspected of like stabbing people and throwing them overboard in the harbor. He's like that that kind of sailor man. Hmm, that's not a very good person, huh? Mm-mm. But yeah, that's uh that's the San Pedro haunting. I would say that yeah, it is. It's a mystery. I don't know. We didn't really solve it. We didn't really find a resolution. But that's not what we're here for. We're not, but we're here to tell the story of we're the mystery. Just, we're just curators. That's all we do. We're just curators. So, well, let us know if you want to hear more ghost stories like this or more, like, paranormal spooky stuff, since this is kind of our first foray into this field. Also, let us and know we'll look up more. through Twitter if you want us to be less cynical and more spooky. Because we can do that. We can not debunk the ooze. We could just say it's it's ectoplasm and not nicotine sludge. Well, and I feel like, you know, you're the you're the scully and I'm the molder. So maybe if I that. tell one. Mulder, there's <laughs> Which no is funny because I'm the redhead here. Right. Mulder, there's no evidence that there's any aliens or anything. Scully, we're on an alien ship. Mulder, please be reasonable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure. That is that is how Scully is, but I love it. Yeah. Alright. Well, cool. I will uh <laughs> I will look for more ghost stories in the meantime. Yeah. Ooh. Until next time. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>